Welcome to the first episode of the Sales Story Podcast. Today, I am not only excited because it's the first episode, but because the first guest on the show is someone I truly admire. Her name is Rosalind Koo. Rosa and I actually crossed paths about five years ago when we were both speaking at an event. The moment I heard her, I knew, I knew that she was a powerhouse. And in the past five years, she's shown that she is. She's taken her company to be worth $100 million. And they've just recently raised $25 million more with the plans to become a billion-dollar company in the next three years. And the reason why it's possible, because Rosalind created a story and recruited people to be part of that bigger story. One of the things I really admire about her is her ability to be relatable. You know, throughout her interviews, throughout everything I've seen about her, she's always putting herself in the audience perspective. And that's the secret weapon that most people don't realize about storytelling. Storytelling isn't actually about you. Storytelling is about how you make the person in front of you feel and see so you can motivate them to have a behavioral change. Now, powerful leaders just like Rosalind have learned to master this skill of building empathy and relationship with people. And you can see that in Rosalind's case. You know, she's been able to raise millions and millions of dollars and scale her company to have 400,000 users in over 20 countries. She is no joke. She has really mastered the skill set. And I look forward to have you dive in and to hear her tips of how she's made that happen. You are listening to the Sales Story Podcast with award-winning storyteller, Yasmin Cater. Yasmin teaches persuasive leaders the new way of leveraging the brain to capture, consult, and convert lifelong diehard fans. Just grab your headphones, tune into this episode, and go through this in less than 30 minutes while going to work. And by the time you're done, you'll have the absolute best actionable tips from Asia's top CEOs on how to increase your impact in sales without being sleazy, pushy, or pretend to be someone else. Are you ready to learn how to better share your story? I am so excited to have you here with us today. I wanted to start off the podcast by just diving in and to really understand what is CXA's vision and why do you guys exist? So our our vision is to make the workforce healthy. And we figured out a way to actually redeploy insurance money, which is only helpful if you get sick or injured or hospitalized but move that into early detection and disease prevention. So we started with the Fortune 500, did that for six years in three different countries, but now we're being white-labeled by the banks and insurers for their hundreds of thousands of commercial clients and all the millions of employees of those. So our impact will be even greater than before. That's amazing. And I love that. And I know for me, who has a history of, you know, illness and cancer in my family, the idea of focusing on prevention is so powerful. 
So with regards to making the world healthier, did something happen to you personally that got you really pumped up to solve this problem? Well, I was very unhealthy before I started CXA. Uh, <laughs> so, and I didn't know. It took me 50 years to get healthy. But it was really about what I found in the workforce when I was running Mercer, where we looked at all the receipts and found out that chronic disease is coming to Asia 10 years earlier than Europe and the U.S. because of our abdominal fat in Asia and the food we eat, right, and the lack of exercise because we're all raised by tiger moms. So because of all of that, and the genetics, um, it is here 10 years earlier. Mm. So we really need to find a way to combat chronic disease in Asia. Wow. I didn't know that it was going to impact us so much. One of the clients I got to work with last year were the health promotion board. And when I was talking with them, I realized that obesity was on the rise and becoming more and more prevalent, at least here in Singapore, yeah. because of the high stress lifestyle and more people eating out. Um, food. And typically what happens is a lot of the food that we're eating out is fried fast food. So obviously those things make us gain more weight. Actually, I remember as a kid when I came to Singapore, because I didn't grow up here, you know, I grew up in Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And the first thing that I noticed that there were no overweight people. And I remember thinking that obviously you know, thinking back now I was mixed, but I thought that I was the only weird one here. <laughs> And that I was the only one who was the fat one. And then now I come and I'm like, wait, there's all these people who were never like overweight. Well, you see more and more of them yes, yes. because of the way that people are living and eating. So exactly. It's a big shift in terms of society. It's a lifestyle disease. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of looking at storytelling, and obviously I see, you know, that CXA has a super powerful story. And a lot of that story is driven by you. And when I look at storytelling, the first component is really in believing and trusting the person who's telling the story. So can you share with us a little bit of your own personal story and how did you build that credibility to get to where you are and being part and designing and driving CXA? So I, I was running um, Mercer and Marsh in the 14 countries. We grew... 800% in my time there. But the last five years, I was actually trying to convince them to use technology so that we could personalize to each person because health is so personal. Mm. They, for five years, they said no. So finally, I left and did it on my own and used my own money to buy my first broker, um, to build my own platform, to work out of my living room. So I, I ended up using all my savings, my husband's savings, <laughs> and borrowing, you know, $5 million more. So $10 million in. I built my own company to do this. So that's how I started CXA, because I saw the need, and I couldn't convince anyone else to do it. So... I was obsessed, so I did it myself. Um, and now six years in, we're finally at the point where I wanted to go to work with the largest banks and insurers and HR companies and the telcos to do this. Because before I ran Mercer, I was running an insurance company yeah. and I was in charge of all the banks. 
and I was trying to help sell in the worksite, except I used to use telemarketers or people lurking in the branches, which was very ineffective because everyone's holding their bag of money trying to deposit it. If you're lurking around the ATM and people with bags of money, they're not going to talk to you. So we (laughs) went digital. I know. Hi, can I sell you something? (laughs) No, I'm not looking at your ATM code, your PIN number. (laughs) So... Yeah, I like the mom and pop stores who are literally going to the ATM to deposit the cash. Exactly, because like, it's all cash and I'm lurking around the line, right? <laughs> I want to sell you a shirt. Go away, I'm just holding my money. So, yeah, and then I used to have a bunch of telemarketers, but you know, no one no one answers their cell phone and buys insurance anymore, right? Yeah. You just hang up right away. So I've always wanted to go digital. Um, in the U.S., I was running... Um, in retirement services. And I was there during the wave when it went from however much you're paid when you're 55, you get 70% of that, you know, for the rest of your life to, okay, whatever you save in the company will match, right? Then you get that um, and you take your own risk. So I built, you know, the 401k of healthcare. Oh, amazing. So, so I've been trying to do this for a long, long time. I just found out when I look back in my life, every single job I had was workplace related with benefits or payroll or insurance or your benefits. You know, so it just all came together. I love that. And there's so much that is very similar to Steve's jobs quote. Something along the lines that when you look back at our lives, all the dots make sense. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. Okay, (laughs) here's my new job, right? Yeah, yeah. So now we connect all the dots. So I think you also bring up a really good question at the point in terms of the fact that there needs to have been a shift and you've been trying to make that shift happen. And the way that consumers deal with solving problems has also changed. So Mm. when it comes to like before people would have someone knocking on their door or like asking them or calling them to sell stuff. And today it's been a massive shift of like, People are very wary of whoever approaches them. Exactly. And the internet helps you kind of evaluate, hey, is actually something that I should be doing or not? Yes, yes. No, it's, it's, you have to trust the person who's bringing the message and there has to be a connection. Mm. So I think the message and the messenger comes together. Yeah. I think what I like about what you do is that you bring a lot of like your own personal narrative into that whether it's narrative from your childhood or whether narrative in your career Mm. to build that trust and to build that connection. And it's something that like, if I look at comparison to different people, I think that's the amount of stuff that you have is that you're not afraid to share that. And you have, I I saw a quote that you had, like you have like, you've lost your shame or your, your guilt or something like that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So it's right. I bring my childhood up, right? Because I was always an outsider right? Looking in or being bullied, growing up, you know, fighting all the time, but you just lose your fear growing up in that environment. You know, there's, there's not a fear of failure. If you have a fear of disfigurement, and disablement, <laughs> so it's a different fear. It's all relative to what you're used to, but it took me a long time to, to gain confidence, mm. right? Because if you're always the outsider, so I didn't become confident until I was 40, but then at 50, right? You don't even care. (laughs) So, so, right. So 
it's okay to share your vulnerabilities and your failure. And all you're really trying to do is, you know, hey, I've lived through this. And if you can pay it forward and help others, you know, not make the same mistakes, after 50, that's what you do. <laughs> so I started this company after 50. I guess that's why it's okay to share everything. <laughs> so what's interesting is I, I went to a women's conference years ago mm. and there was a whole discussion in the panel about women starting a company over 50. Yes. Succeed actually more. Because yes, they yes. let go of all that kind of, like I remember my first time I got a client, it was just like a lot of insecurity and then now I'm like, oh, whatever. Like that's, exactly. over that stuff. So 50 <laughs> yes. years, like I've done that. I've done my career. I don't have to prove anything anymore. I'm just showing up with a goal. Yeah. I'm working towards that. It's exactly true. I, I, I think it's, well, I'll see what happens after 60, but <laughs> after 50, I became healthy only because uh, one of my first hires was a doctor. And she said to me one day, you cannot be the face of the company. This is a wellness company. You're the unhealthiest person I've ever met. And I didn't even know I was unhealthy because I, I, I thought sleeping was a thing about willpower, right? And since I was so busy, I didn't have time to pee. I didn't drink water. And, oh, wow. so, and I was so busy, I didn't really eat that much. So you can imagine, right? And I wasn't exercising because I was so busy. So I was so busy, I didn't know I was unhealthy. Yeah. So once she told me that, I found out sleep is important, water is important, food's important. I, like <laughs> I, know. I know, now I, now I bring water with me everywhere. So yeah, my whole life changed. Um, but yeah, not losing, losing fear of failure first was good. Then losing fear of what people think, right? Yeah. The whole face thing was good. So it, it makes me a very different person where yeah. I'm just focused on how do we pay it forward? How do we impact? How do we yeah. make a big impact? So what do we do with, with this type of company? I love that. And I think that as a, as a story, it's a very connecting factor. So kind of diving into it in terms of like the offer that CXA has mm. to have to obviously to the Fortune 500, to the banks, to everyone within Asia and maybe even the world. Yes. Um, is that what your plan is to go global eventually? It is. Okay. It is. So luckily, um, of the $25 million that came in a couple of weeks ago, all of our investors are clients. Amazing. So they are the banks, the telcos, the insurers, the HR firms. So they plan to offer it to their clients. And so our offer, if, if it can really help improve health and repurpose money from treatment money to prevention money, it gives them permission to bundle their own services in. So the banks, you know, for example, we know when someone gets married because we have to cover the spouse for their benefits. But in Asia, if you want to get married, you have to be able to buy a house because no one will marry you. So the bank, who has that kind of money in Asia, right? So the banks will offer mortgages and mortgage protection and homeowners and life insurance for your spouse, right? So... It's the whole bundle. Yeah. You know? So you can see what we're doing. If you have permission where you can help someone with their health and their families, you have permission for other things. Yeah. So the same thing about relationships, right? The message and the messenger, right? So how do you build that trust? Yeah. And, and for me, a lot of the stories that I help my clients design is based on building what I call the trust trail. The more you build trust, the more you can ask for more things. Exactly. 
So I'll share with you a ridiculously hilarious encounter that I had with like an insurance agent a couple of years ago. So at the time I had been diagnosed with something called endometriosis and had gone through surgery. And at the same time, my auntie got diagnosed with four stage cancer. So I was like, I need to figure out my insurance. I need to make sure that I have better coverage in case, you know, more bad stuff happens to me. The older you get, your body is typically more bad things happen to you. So I speak to her and within less than 15 minutes, she offers me something called the investment link product, Mm. the ILP scheme, which is an investment product, which does both investment and health. And she basically pitches me a $200,000 plan. Mm. And of course she doesn't tell me it's $200,000, but she says, you know, Hey, you know, if I pay $900 every single month for the rest of the 30 years, and of course me being me, I was thinking, that's just a math. What does it actually mean? So I did the 900 times by the 30 times by the 12 months. And I was thinking, wow, you know, within less than 15 minutes, someone that I have no trust for at all. And you're asking me to hand over several hundred thousands dollars of my hard earned money. And to be honest, I felt really sorry for her because I don't think she realized that for me to give her, you know, at least, you know, the couple hundred thousand dollars, she needs to help me trust her enough to give her a couple hundred dollars. And once you get to the point where I can give you a couple hundred dollars and you do a good job and I'm happy, then I can trust you more and give you more and more money. But to go away and straight away ask for the $300,000 from day one without any sort of layers of trust being built, you've not only lost me as a client for this transaction, but you've lost me for a client with a referral network forever. And I think a lot of banks now, you know, are slowly shifting towards that and to realize that it's really about how you take the journey from day one. Exactly. Which is why, you know, the banks that are really doing really well are understanding this and shifting the way they do things to become much more customer centric. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the same journey. It's the same journey. So in terms of like, I want to kind of ask the question, like because CXA is quite different than everyone else in the market, was it really hard to get people to buy into doing that switch? Because a lot of it has been insurance and not talking about prevention. Yes. Is it a hard kind of narrative to get them to buy into that? Um, yeah, it's been brick by brick. (laughs) It's never been easy because first I was in my living room (laughs) for a year until my husband kicked us out (laughs) because it got too crowded with 10 people and someone living there. Um, then we living there as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know one started living there and he had this full beard. So every, every time, every morning I wake up, I forget he's there. And then, like a terrorist in my house and just like <laughs> every day. So it's been brick by brick. It's been very hard to get first employees to come, right? Because in Asia, everyone's so fearful of startups. And then HR, our buyers, so fearful of startups. So yeah, no, it, it's been one by one by one by one. So how did you get the first, like, let's talk about the first employee right now. How do you get the first, like, 10 employees to join you? So they all happened to leave firms and were all looking. Mm. 
so it's like they drop from heaven, right? <laughs> we meet them. And some were interns, and their parents wanted them to work for me. <laughs> some were my children, who were probably the worst interns ever. <laughs> so, so they were the beginning. Our first clients were actually my ex-clients, who we went to in the first year, and we, we showed them prototypes, and then we help solve their issues. Yeah. So one was a tech company, one was financial service, one was manufacturing. And so, yeah, no, we, we started with step by step, mm. one by one. Yeah. A lot of my employees came only after I was valued at a hundred million. Oh, wow. Because yeah. the industry is so tight and everyone's so risk averse. <laughs> They waited to know that I was you know, a really big company. Yeah. You've actually passed the five-year mark. So most startups, you know, after five years, if you've passed five years, then typically you're going to succeed because 96% of all companies fail within the first five years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a miracle. We didn't die. <laughs> it is a miracle. So we, we have nine lives. We've lost eight. <laughs> so I think whenever you're building something that's never been built before and you buy a very, very old company, and now I've bought three brokers, mm -hmm. I have four brokers now, changing is hard. Yeah. So every time you change something, a lot of, there's a lot of protests. <laughs> also, we have to integrate with all of the insurers, the clinics, the hospitals, the gyms, I mean, everything, the health screeners, the teledocs, each one was hard because not everyone can take an API. Yeah. Sometimes it's just SFTP and Microsoft tools like Excel and Outlook. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's brick by brick, you know, employee by employee. Amazing. Yes, but we survived the five-year mark. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Yes. I love that. So in terms of that, I was wondering for some of your clients, you know, when they heard about your offering, this is something that was the first time something like this existed in the market or were people already, you know, coming in and putting or trying something similar? So I think when people try something, it's, um, point solutions. Mm. So they may have like a health screener come in one time. They may have insurance. They may do something like a blood test, but no one pulls it all together down yeah. to the employee level and personalizes at this level. So companies may see data and they find out, okay, is cancer and is diabetes, but they don't know if it's related to lifestyle, family history, yeah. right? So everything's disjointed and it's all fragmented. So we're, we're probably the first entire ecosystem play, data play that also covers the insurance all the way through to the wellness, all the way through to the, the disease management mm. and connect all the components. Amazing. So in terms of your competitors, I'm guessing your old kind of insurance industry is your competitors. Are they also adopting and adapting to what's happening or are they staying just as they are? So the insurance industry are white labeling us. Oh, also, okay. when I win a client as a broker, they bid for the business. So that's the advantage of buying brokers. Yeah. You win a tech company, every insurer wants that business. So they bid for it. 
I said bidding takes place using Excel. It's like the dark days of travel and stockbroking, <laughs> but we're like in those days now. We finally built a quotation system so insurers can bid simultaneously instead of taking eight weeks to fill that Excel with six insurers, a hundred line items matching using your eyeballs. <laughs> so, wow. so it's the early days of using tech to fix this. The brokers have not caught up. So our proposition to companies is if you appoint us as the broker, you get our platform for free to try to get your employees healthy. And if we can prevent claims, you can reduce costs. Mm. So we've built the analytics around that. We score each person. So we give you a health age versus your body age. If wow. your health age is much older than your body age, your body's crying out. Like my body was crying out at 50 to yes. say, help. You've been unhealthy for 50 years. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Right. And so even after 50, I've discovered you can do something to improve your health. I feel so much better. My brain, it's like the first time you put on glasses, yeah. right? Like you see this whole world. My brain feels like that. <laughs> so I didn't know that I was frying my brain for 50 <laughs> years. And now my brain feels better. I think in Asia, a lot of people are doing it unintentionally because of a level of pace and stress? Exactly, exactly, because they're just living life, right? They didn't know until something hits them. What hit me was like a new company, <laughs> my company. <laughs> was solving this problem. <laughs> I know, I was trying to solve this problem and I had the problem, <laughs> who knew? But I think that's quite humbling. It's also not like you were a veteran, that you were a health superhero, but you were just like everyone else who just got healthier as a result of knowing more information. Yeah, yeah. It's just education, right? You didn't know and you, you don't know until something happens. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we want to help everyone else like we've been helped. Amazing. We also run our own trials. Oh, okay. so we on yourself. On our, oh, yeah, we're the guinea pigs. All our poor employees, they don't know when they come in. But we ran a trial, <laughs> split ourselves into 10 teams of, of no, 25 teams of 10 each. Okay. And we competed against each other. So we all took blood tests. We weighed ourselves. And then for eight weeks, we, we tried step challenges, Zumba, yoga, mindfulness. We took pictures of our food. We learned about carbs yeah. and nutrition. We did videos chanting against each other. And in eight weeks, um, we actually lost 65 kilograms. We lost 360 inches off our waist. Not one person, like everybody together. Right. And we also, people felt better, right? And they actually adopted new habits and our HbA1c improved. Our blood sugar improved. That's incredible. Right? So we run all these trials on ourselves. So we're our own guinea pigs. And you know, so just it was me. Yes. yes, everybody. So now you know we're learning pull-ups. I found <laughs> out I'm stronger than most of the men in my company. <laughs> I love that because it's really kind of um, like being the ambassadors. And yeah. also some of the benefits that the employees get is that you end up becoming healthier and losing weight. Yes. Work with this yeah, exactly. Plus, <laughs> plus I think there's a self-selection of people who come join a company. Yeah. I mean, they already care about health. Not, I mean, that wasn't me, but I learned to care about health. Yeah. yeah so no, it, it, it works out. 
it's funny because I interviewed another CEO and he runs a solar company mm. and he was an investment banker. He didn't really actually care about like solar or the environment. Yes. And as a result of building a solar company, he's become this diehard advocate for the environment because he rediscovered wow. yes. that we're actually destroying the earth. <laughs> and he's yes, like, yes. All I cared about was not dollars and figures. And now I'm just like, no, that's not okay anymore. It needs to be a bit more than that, a bit more Very deeper. neat. Yeah. Very neat. So my last question for you is in terms of what is your personal vision? You know, beyond CXA, is there something you would like to see the world become? Um, I'm really big on diversity. Yeah. So it's not just health, but how do we have more role models for women, right? Get them to maximize their potential. So... I meet a lot of women in the workplace who aren't happy, um, aren't pursuing their passion, and are afraid. So they need to see a role model of, okay, if you follow your passion, if you take that other role, or can you take that promotion, but you're not quite ready? So I try to push everyone to outside of their comfort zone, to actually follow their passion because women tend to rise to the occasion no matter what. So, and they always underestimate themselves. I mean, my, my first pitch was to an investor in San Francisco and he told me, boy, you really underestimate yourself, right? And that's typical of all women who come to him. And so he said, look, for all the men who come to me and pitch, I divide by 10. For all the women, I multiply by 10. But then I advise them to be just like the men. Because you won't get the money unless you unless you pitch just like the men, unless you take that role you're not ready for. Because unless you do it, you don't stretch. So learning skills is just like, you know, you know sports. You have to do something beyond what you're doing now to stretch and grow. So learning skills is the same way. So I'm hoping I could use this role to encourage other women to pursue whatever their passions are and to take that extra step. Don't be afraid. Take that extra step because it can only help you. Just like my career has helped me, I haven't been afraid. So because I haven't been afraid, I took these really hard jobs to turn around companies or to build something from scratch. And now I'm doing both together, but it gave me the skills to be ready for this. So, cause I took all those steps. So I encourage other women to take those steps. So it's really a young girls, you know, encouraging them to, to get into the hard sciences, um, women in their careers to come back after having a baby, which is what I did. And also to take that extra step to pursue the promotion or do a lateral job change or to pursue your entrepreneurship. So that personally is a big thing for me. Yeah. I think, I think people forget that it's only just a couple of steps. So you don't have to become like, even if you have those big dreams, if you just start with the small steps. Yeah. It's just the first step. All you need to do. Yeah. First step. You take the first step. It's okay. You take the second step. It's okay. And even if you fail and I fail so many times before you can get back up. Right. And then take the next step. But you learn that, you know, these setbacks don't drag you down. They make you stronger. So I encourage all women to keep going. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today with us. You're welcome. All right. Pleasure. I know. I know.
Your brain is bursting right now on how you can do this. You can do this. Head over to your browser and type in sellstorypodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button and get the latest episodes of the show so you'll never miss one. Also, don't forget to sign up for our bonus content, Five Story Tweak, that can help catapult your storytelling techniques. We would love to get the word out. Do leave a review and tell a friend. And if you have any feedback about how we can improve the show or who we should feature, send us an email on the website or message on LinkedIn. 